I'm Kevin Bachman. On this episode of Background Check Radio, the more things change, the more they stay the same. Stick around. Okay, today's podcast is an article that I originally wrote and published in the most recent issue of the PBSA Journal. It's the February-March 2022 issue, if you're looking for it. Now, longtime listeners and screening industry lifers, you're all familiar with PBSA. If you're on the HR or talent acquisition side of the industry and you're listening to this, PBSA stands for the Professional Background Screening Association. It's the trade group serving employment and tenant screeners alike. ThePBSA.org is their website, and I encourage you to check it out if you're not familiar with them and their work. You know, to say it's been an interesting 12 to 18 months is an understatement. In what seems like a blink of an eye, we went from mass layoffs and lockdowns caused by a global pandemic to life-saving vaccines, which kick-started a rapid economic recovery driving order volumes and marketplace demand in our space in ways not seen since 9-11. In the last year, multiple companies have gone public and private investment dollars have flooded our space. You know what this means? Believe it or not, background checking is now kind of cool. And for those of us who have made this industry a career, we're seeing professional, personal and and investment opportunities that simply weren't available years ago. But for all these changes, the changes we know about, those we think we know about, and those which are about to happen, which we don't know about at all yet, the core question we still need to ask ourselves remains the same. What steps are we taking to make our businesses the best it can be? Because that's the only thing that turns all these exciting possible opportunities into reality. You know, for all the noise we hear, the shiny objects that grab our attention every time we look at LinkedIn or we listen to our competitors' marketing messages, we tune into a webinar or find an interesting podcast, wink, wink, our, our clients' objectives remain the same. They want great value for their money, Right? Yes, they do. They want a strong candidate experience. Of course. Integrated technology. Check. Oh, and while you're at it, they're also asking you to please reduce risk to their organization, improve the quality of hire, and tomorrow, do it faster than you did it yesterday. Have any of these wants changed? Of course not. Our clients, end users, they wanted these same things 10 years ago. They're going to want these same things 10 years from now. So as I think of the last 12 to 18 months, the next 12 to 18 months, I, I, here are a couple of the things that I'm thinking about as I, as I try to answer that question. So how do we deliver it? How do we continue to try and be the best we can be? Well, first, I spent a lot of time thinking about end users and, and how we connect with them, especially those who have spent the better part of two years designing policies and tackling HR issues that they've never had any training for in their professional careers. How to address, how to create policies to address coworkers coughing on each other. How to roll out special floor maps 
teaching employees the proper path to get to the restroom while maintaining social distancing requirements. Those are real-life examples, by the way, just two of the many areas that, that our, our users and our, our HR colleagues are tackling things that they've just never had to do before. So when I think about end users and our role in supporting them and their businesses, I think of how we're talking to them. Have, have you surveyed them recently? For example, do end users still appreciate a high volume of verification attempts over an extended period? Or are they willing to accept a slightly higher unable to verify rate in exchange for, let's say, a 10% reduction in turnaround time? And that's really important. Quits are at an all-time high. Unemployment reaching historical lows again. Open positions at rates we haven't seen in years. So if, if you as a screener are deploying 2020 fulfillment processes in a 2022 hiring cycle, or if your client needs modifications to their program to try and keep up and, and acquire talent faster, if we're doing what we did years ago and we failed to ask our clients what they want, and if we're still meeting their needs, we inadvertently could be creating pain and increasing risk that they'd affect to a competitor. Unbeknownst to us, we just never asked. So to that end, now I think of client surveys, one of the cheapest, most powerful business tools at your disposal. The ROI on client surveys is simply amazing. And the stakes are really high. Now, you're not going to acquire a million-dollar client if you do client surveys, but you can lose one if you don't. Next, I think of our vendor networks. How strong is it? Now, in some areas of the supply chain, there's more options than ever before. In other areas, consolidation and M&A activity have really reduced those we're able to do business with. Sometimes these things matter. In other cases, they might not matter at all. But when was the last time you did a vendor audit? And if you did it, what did it find? Now, vendor audits are always a drag because the time you devote to them is always time you've taken away from your live production environment. I get it. I've been there. But strong, forward-focused organizations routinely review and reevaluate who they choose to partner with. By the way, I recommend 1% of your dollars, 1% of your time, 1% of your energy go into vendor and in-house employee audits. Speaking of employees, have you evaluated your staff recently? Are there opportunities to upgrade talent? I've been in this space for 20 years, and I can't ever recall a time where there's been more operational sales and client support talent on the move. CRAs and providers in our space that are asking myself and my colleagues at iCubed Advisors for recruiting help, every opportunity they ask us to help them with, more money, better working environment, less stress, easier to achieve results. Every single one. Organizations are really recognizing and putting their money where their mouth is in terms of, of improving the talent base of the organization. Are you guys doing that, right? So when we think of people leaving for opportunities, we talk about that quit rate from before. We're not immune to that in our industry. It's not just happening elsewhere. This is happening to us as well. So what I'm noticing is people are leaving for three, for, for three primary reasons. First, they're leaving because the company won't let them work remote. That is a huge component. And if you are banging your fist on the table making people come back to the office, that's fine if you're making that decision. But just know that a lot of your employees 
aren't so happy about that these days, they're going to consider leaving and competitors are watching. Who's making their team come back to the office? And they are placing those recruiting phone calls to your employees. So that's number one. Company won't let them work remote. Number two, I said it a second ago, they're leaving for more money. There's just better opportunities. Um, The increase in volume, the increase in revenue, increase in profits over the last year or so has given organizations a little more powder to play with, and they're using it, and they're putting it into their talent acquisition strategies. And number three, which again, I alluded to a minute ago, they're leaving because their new job is going to be easier than their old job. So that's interesting, and I want to talk about that for a minute. What, what What do I mean by that? Employees who are accepting newer opportunities these days are doing so because they believe their new shop will be better run, okay? They believe that their new role has a stronger support system in place, whether it be sales support, marketing muscle, operational expertise. Companies are successfully wooing away talent by demonstrating the new job's not gonna be as hard as, as the old job. It's better pay, it's work from home, and it's gonna be a less stressful, frustrating environment. And, and for candidates that are considering new opportunities or maybe feel a little stagnant in their current opportunity, maybe they're not feeling as well compensated, maybe they're not feeling as rewarded or recognized, those three things, that, that's a hiring trifecta, right? Better pay, work from home, a less stressful, frustrating environment. And for many employees, especially those with young kids, that last part is really, really appealing right now. So I I think of, as we're trying to be the best we can be in our organization, not only what are we doing to keep our team members, but what are we doing to get our competitors best people, okay? So now, for while automation, as, as I think of that, for while automation has increasingly taken on a larger portion of the fulfillment in our space, it's still people that close deals. It's still people that put out support fires, We still need people to build the technology and automation, create strategy, craft marketing messages. So even companies that are going all in on making the process less manual, and there's a few in our space that are really using their megaphone to say, we're taking manual processes out of our space, out of our process, we're we're taking manual out of our operations. Even those companies that are going all in on it, those companies still have hundreds, if not thousands of people on staff. So we're never going to get to a place where we don't need people. And what what's very interesting right now from my vantage point is I'm seeing and feeling that strong organizations are getting stronger. Weak, work and, weak organizations are getting weaker. And those kind of treading water are really at a fork in the road. And I'm, I'm throwing a lot of metaphors out here. But organizations kind of in the middle, they, they need to make a choice. You know, who are we going to be and how are we going to get there? Okay. Uh, next, as I think of, how do we be the best shop we can be? My mind now pivots to our wallets, right? How we spend our dollars. Did, did you unknowingly lose a large client? Uh, did you get blindsided by something? Now you need to increase your marketing budget and hire more salespeople because you've got to claw that million-dollar account back. And million-dollar accounts don't grow on trees, Maybe you're going to get $100,000 clients to replace that. These are the things that go into our new client acquisition process. And I think back to client surveys, right? They're not just cheap. They can make you a lot of money, especially when it prevents a client from walking out the door. So I think a lot about how we're spending our money. Are we spending it to prevent client defections and prevent problems? Or are we spending to to, um, recoup revenue that's walked out the door? 
when I also think about the money we're spending, are we spending the right percentage of dollars on our support team? Do you even have a benchmark for what that percent should be? Have you struck that right, proper, automated, manual fulfillment balance? Are you overweight salespeople who are missing their quotas and you just don't want to have those difficult conversations or you're hoping that the next pitch or the next trade show is going to pull a salesperson out of a hole? That may happen, but as the weeks and months go by, that's cash you're burning and base salaries. Are we realistic with our expectations of our, of our sales team? Uh, are we overweight operational team members that might be serving a sector that goes boom or bust every couple years? You know, are, we, are we carrying more people because we have seasonal balances on our team? These, these dollars matter and nothing happens in a vacuum. So, you know, th these are a couple examples and there's no easy answers to these questions, right? But knowing the right questions to ask is really the first step toward that path to success. I promise you, best-in-class companies are thinking of the things that we're talking about here and they're developing roadmaps to, if not stay on the right track, course correct if they feel that they're going down the wrong path. There's plenty of room at the table of successful, profitable companies. Just pull up a seat and join them. Thanks, to list, thanks for listening, guys, to this episode of Background Check Radio. I'm looking forward to seeing everyone in D.C. in a couple weeks for the mid-year show. If you're there Sunday afternoon, head to the bar between 2 and 4. My iCubed advisor partners, Jason Morris, Nick Fishman, and I will be there. We'll be networking, enjoying a cocktail or two, and watching the Masters. Mostly, we'll just be watching the Masters. <laughs> but come see us. Come say hi. Again, thanks for listening. Have a great day.